listening to Charge Podcast, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. This is the holiday edition. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is... Hey, your co-host, John. Whee! I missed you! And we're going to look at tech under the hood. That's, that's what we're going to do. Oh, I miss you. How are you? Did you get back into your Gmail? Yes, I... Uh, <laughs> I, I switched to Android like a month ago, but I forgot this whole time to switch my like Google Authenticator across. So every single time I have to like go and get my old phone and it just gets annoying. So I just don't log in sometimes. Terrible. <laughs> I'm doing good. It's fixed now. I fixed it. I'm doing good. How are you doing otherwise? I'm good. It's Christmas Eve. We're recording and drinking and hanging out. It's nice. I'm really good. I'm freelancing and Recharged is going good. So, you know, oh, I'm yeah. excited about 2018. You launched Recharge and 300 people joined. Indeed, they did. That's pretty cool. I, yeah, I did like a beta for a few months, which was terrifying because I also wrote the code. <laughs> um, but when it was stable ish, I launched on Product Hunt. And yeah, like 300 people signed up on that day. So that was pretty cool. Uh, retention's pretty good. Isn't the first bill, isn't the first rule of uh, CMS never build your own CMS? Yes, don't worry, I didn't build a CMS. Uh, thankfully, okay. Um, I built on top of somebody else's CMS, like a whole app, just for like this stuff. But yeah, I like number one rule is like never code your own text thing. What's your what's your <laughs> like, what's your favorite CMS? I use Craft. I love Craft. It's actually really good. It's the only CMS that doesn't have an opinion about anything, hence why. Um, like you can build a plugin with all of PHP and it will let you just do it. It's pretty good. What do you think of, I'm like WordPress. What do you think of Ghost? <laughs> oh, I do like Ghost. John O'Nolan's going to hear this. No, I do like it. He's actually been trying to convince me for a very long time to use it. Um, but the, the thing is like ghost has opinions right about it's very about the way that's like john. yeah it's an opinion it's, it's almost yeah, like just like john oh, i love it by savage you. yeah <laughs> oh and on that note john O'Nolan, if you're listening <laughs> this podcast is about you anyway you know um, actually is really good if you should check out sometime what? it's a little known project called doc pad that was mm. actually i think the guy's in a, news, a kiwi or an aussie i can't remember oh he's in, really yeah his name's ben ben lupton and uh he wrote this cool platform called uh Talkpad, and it's really neat um i think we should start with two pieces of house cleaning house business house house cleaning house house <laughs> spring house rules <laughs> uh, what, what uh, are they well someone okay so we got a comment last oh, which, week, oh. but no, it's good because I'm going to try and I'm going to try and do the podcast in the spirit of the comment and look at it as positive, not negative. What was it about? Said overall, the content and topics are interesting and hyper relevant. But I remember why I unsubscribed in the first place. John sounds <laughs> like John sounds like a self-involved pedantic hipster who constantly talks mm. over Owen. I would like this. But I talk over you. I would, like this. <laughs> I would love this podcast so much more if Owen found another co-host to actually have thought oh. and engaging conversation with. John. Yeah. I'd rather stop than replace you. Okay. But then it was funny because uh, we were talking about that in the Slack and someone said, you do do this funny thing where... Owen will ask you something and you just basically ignore it, which 
Oh, I remember this. Yeah, like this was. Uh, oh, who said that? It's, yeah, it's I, I know exactly. It was Daddy Dan. Oh, Dave Dean. Dave Dean. Yeah, I was could get his names mixed up. Dave Dean, uh, which I thought was funny because I guess I do. But sometimes it's just like this is how my brain works. I have the same problem. Like I am thinking about other topic. <laughs> Let's just go over there. Yeah, I don't think it's rude. No, right. Like when we were opening today, I get why and, other people get it. Yeah, and you said, "How are you today?" And I said, "How's your Gmail?" So I answered your question with a question about something completely different. I guess that yeah, would probably we just pivoted. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Anyway, on with the show. Those are the house cleaning rules. I'm gonna try and talk. Was it just one thing? Was, is it, you said those two. That was those two things combined. My my oh. both oh. complaints about me as usual. Uh well, John, I'm not gonna replace you. You're not fired yet. No, I'm just kidding. You're not fired. Okay. <laughs> so look, I want to talk about our favorite thing right oh, now: gosh. cryptocurrency. <laughs> I have a confession. I have to come to the church of crypto. Uh, I bought some cryptocurrency. Forgive me. I bought two cryptocurrencies, actually. I bought one to play that stupid CryptoKitties game. I don't know if you've seen this whole like thing. It's like an app built on top of yeah. Ethereum. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, it's Neopets. But honestly, it's it, if you think about the game too much, it's literally a game where you just make cats like have sex for money. It's all it is. You're breeding like cats and you get another cat and cats. It's weird, but you use actual Ethereum. And I made like a hundred bucks <laughs> um, before one of my cats got stuck on the blockchain. It so, got crypto. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't have enough gas, whatever the fuck that means. That's weird. So apparently... You have to budget, like when you send a transaction onto the Ethereum network, you have to budget how much gas you're willing to burn to get the transaction like mined by the blockchain. I don't know. These are all words I had to Google and I didn't budget enough and then my cat got stuck on the blockchain. I don't know. I just like gave up at that point. I have a whole bunch of crypto kitties. Maybe I'll be rich if I just ignore it forever. Um, but I also bought this one, uh, RippleCoin, because everyone was like, oh, RippleCoin, uh, it's like being used by banks and i looked it up uh and japan and north not north japan and north korea using it is the wrong thing to say uh japan and south korea uh did this they agreed on a test for the next six months they're going to use bitcoin for limited amounts of transactions between the two countries super interesting not bitcoin sorry ripple coin um so i bought some just to just to see and uh i don't know what it's at after the great um crash of christmas <laughs> but I had quadrupled my money last time I looked. So who even knows what's happening anymore, John? I I, I can't even. <laughs> so I have a whole bunch of Ripple coins. Whatever that means. Hmm. Anyway, I feel dirty. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at how much I have uh, because it crashed the other day. So, oh yeah. So I bought at 40 cents. No, I bought it thirty five cents, and it's now at a dollar twenty. So that's pretty good. It's like three times my money. So I should just sell it all. You know, where do you get three times your money usually? Yeah, Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, but this week you probably saw crypto. Almost every crypto fell like forty percent in a day. Every single one, and uh, it's. It's funny because I made a joke tweet. I don't even care that much. Like I just enjoy just watching people 
do this whole thing. And I, I made this joke about the church of crypto earlier, but it's amazing. Like I tweeted a screenshot and said something like RIP crypto and the amount of people that are in my like replies and DMS and in my email, like you don't understand anything, idiot. It'll be worth double next week. I'm like, how can you be so sure about something that isn't, it doesn't even exist. And like, there's no history to refer back to except for it going up. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just well, amazed at how religious people are. To put it into a little bit of perspective, people were willing to buy one Bitcoin for $6,400 on November 1st. True. On December 1st, people were willing to buy one Bitcoin for 10000 yeah, uh, ten thousand nine hundred and ninety, mm-hmm. and on uh, January first, people were willing to buy one Bitcoin for nine hundred and fifty-nine dollars. So. That is, that's what that, that is complete and utter, in theory, irrationality, which is why people haven't been able to wrap their heads around it. So I've spent the last week and a half or so trying to rationalize this. And um, so I've come around to maybe believing that actually Bitcoin could be useful, but I actually only believe. Bitcoin itself is useful. So, because mm-hmm. it's I, slow. <laughs> well, okay. So, imagine this. Imagine that 15 years ago, 25 of the wealthiest people from various regions across the world got together and said, look, Mm-hmm. Swiss bank accounts are not working out and are not going to work out. And uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to pass generational wealth. And we're moving into a society where the, the movement of generational wealth is not um, is not going to be... Uh, it's going to be passe. It's not going to be like, mm. you know, culturally cool. And so... Here is my 11 bitcoins. So, no. So then you go find, you say, well, let's find some computer scientist and we'll say, look, we want you to design a digital Swiss bank account, a deflationary store of uh, value that we can slowly over time um put our liquidity into and store that wealth ge- generationally in this new thing and your payment for doing that will be i don't know a million bitcoin or whatever however many are the first bitcoin on the on the chain and our commitment to each other is that we'll put this agreed amount of um, liquidity from our various currencies into this store of wealth and we'll always find liquidity amongst each other um, no like we'll, <laughs> we'll agree to that 
and also other people will likely start putting their liquidity in it too. And the difference in, um, effectively the difference in price between the points that this theoretical, you know, Illuminati group, and this is, and I, I get that this is a little tinfoily hat, uh, would put their large sums that wouldn't be touched over s- large uh, uh, over mm. long periods of time those would effectively be transaction fees and although they look like huge to us mm. uh you know it you want to pad all of that um wealth that's going to be placed in there over time with some other like small scale liquidity two things happen two things happen you do create a really fantastic store of long-term wealth actually bitcoin is really great at that um and also and so at the year 2036 the amount of computational power required to solve the mathematical formula that will result Mm. in the prize of a bitcoin is effectively is effectively negligible to most people at 2036 and then at 20 and then at 2140 something 40 i think it become the last including the having the last literal bitcoin will ever will be able to be mined at which point yes. if people still decide that there is a value associated with the store of of value i mean you know, just yeah. in, right in of liquidity of many different currencies across the world and many different wants to for different reasons to hold value in some form of anonymous distributed kind of government agnostic central bank agnostic system uh then it makes a shit ton of sense and also means the value is going to go really really high Uh, there's so many asterisks in there like well but i really do think that the world banking condition is a lot of why people are so religious about bitcoin kind of like you were referencing a little bit like people don't trust banks anymore and people don't i don't know what it's like in the u.s right now but in europe it's almost negative interest so you might as well just risk all your money you know this is well the other interesting thing is that once the last literal bitcoin has been mined basically i think the blockchain traffic comp like in in probably 20 or 30 years it will well but that's but the thing is okay so it was what led me to that like crazy (laughs) story was (laughs) yeah right was no but seriously me just going through and looking at all the things that are literally happening for example 40 percent of currency into uh, mm-hmm. blockchain day over day is asian uh um or sorry more than that i think it's like 65 percent is asian 40 percent of it is south korean um and then yen one i think or make up the rest don't quote me on that uh and and so i'm like okay well 
then you look at how much actual money, like if converted into USD is going in every day Mm -hmm. and it's a lot, it's like, uh, um, probably million hundreds there's of a lot of cash going in, it's yeah. like the total market cap of of it now is like something like half a trillion dollars or something crazy right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the thing but i also think there's enough people out there it's easy to discount how many people out, out there have enough money to blow to put in here you know well, and so that was my second point that's what brought me to this like crazy thing i was like yeah okay if i had 12 million dollars cash right now which on the global scheme of money to have available to you is so poor right compared to sultans and sheiks and like and like you know like super wealthy people it's tiny by comparison so if i had 12 million dollars and i was like okay i would buy like 10 bitcoin or 20 like i'd put maybe like half a million dollars into bitcoin then yeah i'd I would probably put half a million dollars into Bitcoin. So, so if I, if I'm, if I'm, if I am that tiny of a person on that grand scheme of wealth in the world compared to the Hong Kong and Chinese and, and Russian oligarchs and the, and the, you know, Dubai princes and stuff like that. If I had $12 million cash and I would put in half a million dollars and regular people are putting in their money, like it's, this is why, it doesn't actually have the bubbly quality to it that people think because because the tulip mania thing and the housing market thing um, were were micro regions right or macro regions right it was it happened in small areas that could that true could not support the systems in place couldn't support that type of bubble there was no want there was no want for this thing. Therefore it had mm. no utility. Therefore yeah, there was no utility value in this reality. It, there appears to be a large scale global distributed want for this thing. And very a many subset of the population. Very, <laughs> but, a, but, a, but, a, but, a bias, well, by virtue, also by virtue of the fact that, the vast majority of the population would have no access to this type of thing. Yeah, I think um, that's part of it. But that's that's the thing that gets me is is I don't know. I, I think how many years? Oh, this is so controversial. I, like <laughs> we're what four years into Bitcoin, and nobody's really demonstrated a use for it yet. That but uh, maybe it doesn't need a, one. No, well, the only use it has it seems to be cramming money into it. If it's just right. digital gold, yeah. If it's just a but Swiss bank, okay. well, what if no? If it's it's digital gold with none of the benefits of gold. That's the that's what I don't get. Oh, sorry, why? Sorry, why can't it be just a Swiss bank account? That's where it gets interesting. But it's a Swiss bank account where your money at random changes value, right? That's the biggest problem with it right now. Not if not if there was a pre well, n- not because a because it's deflationary, a because scarcity b it's deflationary and and yeah so you're saying once it locks off that's where it's interesting yeah well that's where it's interesting and also it's interesting if really there are a lot of wealthy people who are just putting storing money in this thing and are willing to like use it as a store of generational wealth that is where it makes so much sense Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm 
That's why I think all the other stuff doesn't make sense. That's why I'm not long on why I would go long on Bitcoin itself, because I believe the utility value is literally the proof of work. The fact that it has existed over time and cannot be you know, done again. And, you know, it's the, it's, it's actually one of the only things where, um, it is not scarce over time and becomes very scarce, very quickly. Mm. Like that's not, you know, that like, then if there is an, if there is some utility attached to something like that, even if it's not that much utility, it can skyrocket in value. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, but I don't think that, I think the mistake is to think this thing should be quick, right? I think the mistake is to think it should be used as a fiat currency. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what that is what, I think it's a, it's actually more, it should be seen more in the light of a Swiss bank account, you know, or, or some kind of digital gold where it's just pegged, pegged, agreed on value at this thing where very many rich people across the world can put, put liquidity into it to store for long periods of time generationally. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a great use. That's an absolutely fantastic use of this thing. Yeah, long term, it's not really what it is right now. I am seeing some scary stuff happening though in terms of blockchain right now. I've heard like stories about people taking loans for it. Oh my God, it's just killing me. Like we're not financial advisors. Please don't do something dumb. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I, I also, I, I have, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to buy any. Um, and I, I'm like, I personally, in, in the context of everything that I've been thinking about recently, if yeah. that were, were to be true, to look at it in that paradigm lens, then that it is true that Bitcoin is still a fantastic buy then. And it's a great yeah. investment, actually. But again, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't understand the, the global economic system mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. global financial system well enough to comment. And I don't know... I mean, it seemed, I know there's a lot of rich young people in Asia. Like when, when I say Mm. rich, I mean like comparatively to what we think of as rich, like these people are very, 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 very rich, Mm. right? They like come over and buy and buy condo buildings full of apartments empty in, in North American, you know, cities. That's exactly what we're talking about though, is like, there's a great episode of, um, uh, Planet Money, where they look into this uh, situation in the US, where a lot of, like, uh, I think it's Chinese businesses are buying, you know, entire sets of property up just so they can get cash out of the country. You know, it's yeah, it's so this is a this is a fine way to do that. This is a much better a way very to do that. Actually, way to do it. <laughs> like, I'll try and link this podcast because it's crazy. They're basically talking about everything from. You know, they buy whole hotel chains in innocent towns just so that they can have their money stashed there for later that the that the Chinese government won't see it. It's super interesting. Anyway, Bitcoin. That's enough about that, John. Let's talk about iPhones. That's your favorite thing. You've got something to talk about with Face ID? Well, there's been a lot of articles coming out recently about how in the last few days people can yeah. unlock other people's iPhones. And the unreliability. I've seen a few videos lately too, like People, I think the the first few months are wearing off. I don't know. You tell me. You're the one that uses this. Um, it when it when you're out 
when it works, it works really well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very predictable when it's not going to work very well. So, like all the edge cases are understandable. Yeah. Well, so my pillows are blue. My bedding is blue. They're <laughs> dark, um, and I don't have my glasses on in the morning almost always, and it's hard for me to keep my eyes open in the morning. And so, and I'm mm-hmm. in some d- different orientation always. So it really struggles when I'm in bed and. Um, Interesting. Yeah, really, I would say it almost never works in bed. And I've retrained it a couple of times. I've trained it in bed, like a whole bunch of things. It just, it almost never works in Interesting. bed. I would think. So it's just all those unpredictable things it can't handle still. Um, yeah, orientation, like my glasses it's aren't like the model there, doesn't get it yet. Doesn't seem to love the blue pillows and the dark colors. Interesting. Um, and then the other place it almost never works is hyper bright direct sun. Um, mm, I've heard the stories about hyper bright yes. direct sunlight on your face, like you're squinting at all. It probably won't. Yeah, not on the phone, right? It's just on you. Yeah, on you. It doesn't seem to like it. Uh, and then it doesn't like it. That's about it. Those are the two like main times. The rest of the time, it works really well. It doesn't seem to mind if it's dark. It doesn't seem to mind. So I've noticed a funny thing with it. Um, there's a few people in the office that I work from and it totally changes the way that they act when they're at their desks. I kind of think it's hilarious. And I don't know if you've noticed this of yourself, but these guys, they sit there and they their phone will go off and then they kind of pick it up and they like wave it around like they're taking yeah. a selfie. Like it's this hilarious thing. And I ask them like, oh, do you know that you do this? And they have no idea. It's, it's hilarious. And they look like idiots. And the whole time I think they're taking selfies. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to get it to think that they're there. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. Um, there's one I wanted to point out that like I've noticed. I don't want to do iOS versus Android, but I have noticed one thing that I wished the iPhone had this whole time. Um, I found a feature. It's super buried, um, but it's part of Android, the latest version, whatever the shit Android O. Um, and they, it's called Smart Unlock, and you can basically say. In these contexts, based on these devices and this and this and this, you can define like, I trust it enough to just leave the phone unlocked. So it would almost kind of solve your situation. There's one um, that I have turned on that if I'm at home and connected to my Wi-Fi, like inside my home, it has to be within range of X devices. It just unlocks all the time. It's awesome. Like in my bed, I don't have to unlock my phone. I love that. Um, And the other one is like, if my headphones are connected or if... Uh, I'm wearing my watch or whatever. It also will stay unlocked because it knows it's on my person. Super, super useful. It's like if Apple could combine, I was talking with somebody the other day. I, You know how you can unlock your uh, Mac with your Apple watch, but inexplicably it can't be used with your phone. It would be such a good signal for face ID. Like, well, okay, the face was like 40% and they're wearing the watch and it was already authenticated today. So just unlock. It would just make it that much more magic. And I don't understand how they're not using the peripheries for that yet super super interesting i actually thought there was a setting that you could use to either unlock your phone with your watch or your watch with your phone i can't remember i never bothered um you can unlock your watch with your phone that makes sense but at some point it would be cool if it went both ways you know If, if you authenticated today with face id and your watch was already unlocked and you didn't take it off then you can safely assume that the person holding the device is going to be using it some people would say it's not cool, but I will say at home, being able to pick up my phone, unlock it, it just, it just like, I don't have to mess around. Don't have to do touch ID. I'm at my house, like whatever. I love it. I really, really like that. And the cool thing is they even thought about 
scenarios where you might want somebody, you know, uh, say you're having a party and you don't want people to unlock it. You can suspend it temporarily like for X hours. So it's, it's really well thought out in that regard. I don't know. Interesting. I have seen a lot about this as well. So, uh, about the face ID thing. So I, I imagine like it'll get better as they train the models and they, cause they have to re- like update the OS to give you a new face ID model. So I assume over time when they do that, it'll get better, but who knows? I mean, it's so early right now, right? So yeah, but we should talk about the battery life thing. <laughs> Did you see this whole, uh, um, it all started with like a Reddit post and somebody, somebody was saying, oh, well, my iPhone only runs at 500 megahertz all the time. What's going on? Is it faulty? And then somebody suggested he replace his battery and the person went and got their battery replaced and the phone suddenly runs at full performance. And then somebody else saw it who works at this company called Geekbench, which is, it's like a iPhone benchmarking app. They've got thousands of data points. He went and plotted all the data points of the iPhone 7 and 6S and found out that basically after X years or X months, Apple starts auto-throttling your CPU without saying something. Super interesting because it is... um, There's there's definitely two schools of thought on this. Uh, I am definitely in the camp of like, that's pretty shady, but... It like it's very 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 well done because it preserves the user's battery life. It means the device doesn't turn off on its own. It doesn't do all these things, but it's super shady that it's hidden from the user. Like unbelievably shady, uh, because you suddenly you're getting your phone and you're thinking like, oh well, it's so slow now. After two years, I better just get a new one. When a whole just a battery replacement for seventy nine dollars would do the trick. Like done you got a new phone perfect it runs fast but no apple will let you happily believe that your performance is the problem should apple be upfront about magically fixing your battery for you it is shady that it lends itself into their upgrade business model yes it's very convenient it's not chill that i mean maybe it's i don't know is it it could, as far as I know, it's not like I ever read anything that mm. Apple puts out. So as far as I know, it could <laughs> be somewhere. I have no idea. So, um, so they never disclosed I, any of this. But I think that, but I do think it is true that when they go it, when you take an older phone in to the Genius Bar and say it's running slow, they offer to do a battery replacement for seventy five dollars, don't they? No, mm, I think they do. The battery test will still not tell you that the battery is failing. That was like this is the problem, like because the the threshold for battery failing at the what is it Apple Care like the test they do is not the same threshold as the iPhone has to warn you that the, like to warn them. Sorry, so the battery might, is performing badly. It it's a different on the, threshold on the individual genius, but I'm. 99 95% sure that in the past uh someone a friend of mine has said I took my phone to the Apple Genius Bar because it was running slow and they said to replace the battery how stupid is that clearly they don't know anything about phones I said it was running slow yeah. not that the battery was fine so yeah it's super interesting though, isn't it? Because most people probably wouldn't do that either. They would probably just go buy a new one. That's the actual problem, right? I have no problem with any of, like whatever they do, it's just that they will let you believe that your phone is slow. Like all they have to do is send a push notification saying your battery has deteriorated, yeah, that's, so that's we're doing weird. this in the background. Like that's it. 
it's like it's not a question about like even if even if that is the policy it's just like i agree i agree i agree that it should be that when that mode becomes active there should be a notification well it just it's like it's like the low power battery thing it's like oh well we put it in power saving mode it should be the same thing if your phone like i have the seven and it's actually affected by this because i guess like battery batching and it runs at about 700 megahertz and i literally just thought the phone was trash like i don't know I mean, I know stuff about computers. <laughs> like my mom would probably would have just gone and bought a new phone. My dad would have done the same. Anybody I know probably would have done the same. So, and as phones, like you probably just uh, probably agree with this. Like phones are at the point now where I think replacement cycles are about to get a lot longer. Um, and that is a problem. If they're going to let you believe that your phone is going slow when actually it's not, it's actually perfectly fine that could be an issue. I don't know. It's, it's, it's concerning at, at worst. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do shit and people are going to wow. keep complaining, but it, it will hurt them for a long time. That's the interesting thing about it is I think you've probably heard this as well. There's this like longstanding conspiracy theory that Apple intentionally throws down, slows down phones. And for years I've been telling people like, no, it's just like new software is harder to run, you know, like there's all these different things. And now there's actually something. And that's really the fundamental. I, I, I really pres- think all they have to I do is just fess up. This, something like this, the whole time. Like I, yeah, I assume they were doing something, but not that. <laughs> well, okay, sure. Well, yeah. Like, I, uh, yeah. I kind of just, yeah, you're right. Well, I always assumed it was like a, a byproduct of the s- software being heavier or like optimized for the X you know, I always assumed like, oh, well, the 10 is out. They don't give a shit about the success. They're not going to go back and optimize for it. They're just going to like say it works. Um, and that's that's fine. I get it. It's like it's the same with your laptop. Like Windows 12 might work on it, but you just don't like you don't know what the specs will be in two years. You can't guarantee that. But to like it's disambiguous. Like, disingenuous. It's, to say that they're protecting battery, yeah, sorry, that's the one, disingenuous, to say that you're protecting the user's battery when you're really like slowing it down conveniently at the time that you release new software, it's just like a bit strange. I don't know. I think people should be giving them shit. Like no matter how much you like Apple, it's, it's it, bo- it, would, it would bother me a lot uh, if I still, I don't care because I don't use it. But I mean, Apple is a company that doesn't want you to replace your own battery. They fought against re- the right to repair stuff. And I think... As a user, you have the right to use it at full performance. Maybe I'm maybe I'm okay with my battery being shit and carrying around a battery brick all day. I, I should be able to use my phone as fast as I got it from the store five years from now, not artificially have it like limited by some like bullshit battery thing. I don't know. It seems odd. Magically, it's real. We haven't talked about them in so long. I'm a little bit sad about that. Did you see the pictures and what do you think of them? I saw the pictures. I saw it. Does it look real? <laughs> Isn't it a render, not a picture? To start with. It definitely, they claim it's pictures. Oh, wait, I thought they, it's definitely a render. I thought they clicked them. Well, they never said anywhere. Like, it's just pictures on their website. That's the, that's it. They never said anything. Are they on their website? I only saw them in some tech reviews. Go to magicleave.com. I'm there. Like, it's very obvious that they have just photoshopped a CAD render. <laughs> Ew, welcome to day one. Ugh. So they're that doing a Google here, right? Jeff like, Bezos is Kool-Aid. 
I know, I know. But they, so Magic Leap won. It does look promising, I will say. So Magic Leap, $2 billion later, for the people who don't know what's going on, has unveiled their goggles. The review, only review of it is in Rolling Stone. They say that it has better field of view than the HoloLens. And the most interesting part of Magic Leap, other than the fact that you have to carry a GPU on your hip, which is hilarious, <laughs> the most interesting part has to be the persistent object tracking so say you are at your house and you map a giant sports score onto your wall and then you go mm-hmm. to work you use your magic leap at work you go to somebody's house and then you come home it can remember your wall and it's still there yeah. that is cool oh, it should be able to do that and that's been the biggest flaw of ar so far right like oh yeah it's really nice to put like pokemons in the world like yeah, okay, but they're not going to be there when you shut the app anymore. <laughs> like, oh my god, I find <laughs> AR is so frustrating. I, I've been, I've been, yeah. I bought. I, I was like, hey, I'm gonna try this stupid AR shit on my iPhone because <laughs> apparently this is the most swankiest thing in the world. So I go on the uh, store thing and I go to AR apps and I search for the most expensive oh god game, you made AR a game yep and so that was i think euclidean lands i think it was it was uh mm-hmm. which was like nine i don't remember how much it was anyway so i this game is supposed to be able the game itself is actually pretty fun you can play it on just mm-hmm. the phone by touching the screen and just imagine it's basically a rubik's cube with some dudes standing on the edges of the rubik's cube and when the cubes line up the colors like sort of line up you can attack the 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 other the bad guy so right with the ar thing you can like put it in the room and then walk around it uh Ooh. it is so hard to make the phone do AR. It is so hard. Oh, really? It's like buggy oh or what? It's Show so, me this app, but <laughs> in, no, in any in anything I try and do when I'm trying to do AR, it's like mm. okay, move the phone around and like scan the room. So like you move the phone around like it tells you to do. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. five hours later, I'm still standing there swooshing my phone around in the air, being like, why yeah. can't it map the room? It's dumb. So- one piece of nuance that people haven't realized. So there's, there's AR kit right now and there's, that's the Apple one. And then AR core, which is Google one. Um, AR kit only knows what it knows. Whereas AR core knows, uh, has a machine learning model. And it also, I'm sending you a video, John. Um, it's uploading. They, the AR core, uh, has a machine learning model that learns what things look like, like over time and what depth looks like and shares that information. And that's what's, what's interesting. And AR core also, so uh, Google's one can recognize spheres, angles, uh, you know, like different different shapes. Apple's can only recognize flat surfaces. And I think that's part of the problem is they haven't gotten there with that yet. Just watch this video, John. So the reason I wanted to talk about this one a little bit is um, Google just released the AR mode for their default native camera app. And so what it is, is you can launch the camera uh, I'm going to do it right now just to like tell you. And then there's a new option called AR mode and there's a whole bunch of shit in there like stormtroopers. There's uh, like, I don't know, all the different stuff from all the new Star Wars. There's a bunch of cute things. You can make some 3D text. There's some stranger things, um, people. And I'll, I'll put a video on the show notes, but 
you can drag them into the world. They interact with each other. You can walk around, like you can you can look behind them, and they all like do stuff together. And I think that's what Apple missed is they made this like framework, but they didn't build it into the core of the OS. It's 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 a cool idea, but they like here you are, developers, have fun. Like it, they didn't build anything that made. It, yeah, I just watched the video. You sent me. It's pretty cool. It's cool because they bought the first party content and I'm sure this is exactly what Apple will do at some point and I'm sure it'll be dope. But it's interesting that the native camera integration is the coolest part. Like Google by making it recordable, there's a couple of like there's a whole bunch of viral tweets today because there's a whole bunch of people like in airports just dragging stormtroopers in and they interact with you if you walk up to them as well. And so you get this weird, it's really, really cool. And I think that's where they missed it. Um so I don't know, like this is like a platform war for AR right now, <laughs> but uh, the only use I've seen so far that's actually good is the IKEA Place app, that one where you can put furniture in your house. Seriously, try it. It's good. Could it make what? it work? Really? It didn't work? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to use a VCR, so it's no, no wonder that I can't figure stuff out. Um, do you want to talk about net neutrality? The internet died. I mean, you already know my opinions on this. Oh, we're going to fight if we talk about this. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you just say both of our opinions? Well, look, I, I don't know. I It was a sad week for me. The net neutrality thing, I don't know. It, it was it was a lot more than it was made out to be, um, definitely. And there was a lot of FUD circulating about it. And like John and I have talked about net neutrality a lot, and I, I like kind of agree with his opinions about peering and all those kinds of things, which you can get into. But I will say that the fact that, uh, I don't know, all of these arguments from the FCC that they will self-regulate are just bogus. If you look at all the things that have happened over the years, it's just, it's scary what could happen from here if there's no oversight at all. I don't know. That's my take. It's it's just concerning because the FCC is like FCC has basically said like hands off, like good luck, have fun. You guys will take care of it. And that's I don't know. There's been evidence of this not happening in the past. Your turn. Um, <laughs> basically, so I think that the problem. So I think the the net neutrality stuff. Basically, there's two things that well, there's okay. a lot of things conflated in it. It's yes, it's very complicated. But the, my two thoughts are basically this: physical infrastructure is very expensive mm-hmm. and has to be paid for somewhere. Not um, it shouldn't be the ISPs though. Okay. Three three points actually. Yep. Um, my second point is, as a small scale internet service provider, providing some service on the internet, not an internet service provider. Mm-hmm. So it's a small scale. So Netflix, on that, but like say you're a Netflix alternative. You're a dream host or, or, you know, uh, rack space or something. Mm-hmm. When you're buying internet from internet service providers, uh, the internet service providers are not allowed to charge uh, other people who are using anyone using those internet services any more or less than anybody else and it should be that when someone has some premium content that they need delivered quickly and because of the way that tcp works uh you should be able to charge for a fast lane or something like that basically Mm -hmm. where if netflix wants if yeah i know i know but it's like it doesn't make any sense. All all data should be fast. You don't think this is so, but you've never been you've never been in the 
Yeah, you've never. Well, no, but that's not how it works, right? How it works. Because like, no packets get delivered at different. But here's like, the thing: if you're, like, I love this. there's throttling built into the protocols. I love this debate, though. It's like, yeah, it's built into the protocols, but it's like bullshit because people don't have an option. It's like, why should I as um, Netflix competitor have to go then buy my internet from Talia or um, or Telefonica or BT instead of Comcast or uh, uh, AT&T or Time Warner because Netflix is, they should get charged more. And then if it's too expensive for them, they should lay their own fiber and that's fine. Nah, if you're, if you're like, pipes are like so constrained by this you're like spouting bullshit like comcast is only deferring investment like that's all they've been doing this yeah, whole time how much investment and like, has have any of the uh like maybe maybe netflix should try becoming an isp and seeing if that how that works but that's exactly like i don't disagree with that actually like fundamentally it should it shouldn't like look i'm actually not necessarily against fast lanes if it means that it's not for an anti-competitive reason if that makes sense like well and that was going to be my third point i have i have said i have spouted probably many times on this podcast I but it. i have definitely spouted falsities on this podcast I've this before <laughs> i recently discovered that actually in the context of antitrust as it pertains to the internet mm. and media mm. the arbitration body is not the FTC, which in the past I have said, we'll just leave it up to the FCC. It is the FCC. It's the only industry where the F where the, the industry governing body is also governing antitrust and, uh, and, and, uh, anti very odd, very odd. So I would say, and they do nothing in regard to Right. So that's my problem. Actually, I think you can have no net neutrality, but the FCC if should, you're doing if, something. If, if, but the FCC should not be then responsible for arbitrating and dealing with antitrust. The FTC should. So the conversation in America and that Americans should be having and lobbying their lawmakers, their senators, and their Congress people to have the uh, components of mm. um, of competition market competition arbitration moved to the at the in the context of media in the context of the application Mm -hmm. so in the context of the end user the customer the end user of the internet that power should be held at the f by with the ftc in my opinion the interesting thing to think about right like if you have the metaphor of what's going on um with Google and Amazon even uh, is like super interesting. It's like a very arbitrated, like it's arbitrary to think about, but uh, like Amazon blocking Google from selling any of its competing shit on its platform. Like, it's so weird that this is not something that gets flagged. Like, the antitrust environment in the U S is just like non-existent in the last. Yeah. It's terrible. How can Amazon get away with blocking every Google product that competes with a line they have be a thing that's, 
allowed. I don't know. It's I I, I get some of the competition stuff, but my goodness, Peter Thiel actually said it best. Too. I don't necessarily always agree with everything Peter Thiel says, but he said it best when he said, "Look, it's not like you'd go around saying, um, oh, I've got profits like Microsoft in the '90s.' You know, no. if you were Google, <laughs> right? You would say, oh, like, oh, we're a technology company. So we have so much competition and market pressure from Apple and and blah blah. And by the way, we also have a search engine that everyone in the in the world uses it. Yeah, don't worry about that part though. It's just like we're struggling with funds. Yeah, I mean, the 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 restructuring that they did recently was like the alphabet wonderfully thing. Yeah. restructured to make Google itself not look monopol less liable. monopolistic, right? It's like, well, wait a yeah, second. Because it's, it's just under this model, they can rip out a business that gets too big. Like, oh well, Android is making too much money now, so we better just like move it into Alphabet because then it's like not part of Google, right. even though it is because they're allowed right. to talk. Right. It's very funny. Like yeah. Nest is my favorite one. It's like, yes, Nest is an Alphabet company by Google that works with everything Google yeah. <laughs> well, you also look at the size that they have amazing defensibility in oh, their in their um other bets uh category. So right, basically right. they lose they lose trillions of dollars on losing money on things that'll never work because it allows them to hide Google in the corner and make it look like, oh, we're this huge uh technology company that competes in all these arenas. Uh, and by the mm-hmm. way, don't look at Google. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Eric Schmidt left, so yeah, he's gone now. So <laughs> who knows? I mean, I kind of thought that guy was gone already, and I've heard very many things that he had basically checked out. But as like him not being able to sign off on things is interesting. And actually, honestly, the biggest thing from that whole thing is it said a lot about us. Uh, I was going to say Satya Nadella. That's uh, Microsoft CEO. Um, What's the name of Google CEO now? Uh, oh, Sundar Pichai. You can really see what like he's his 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 version of Google is already, and I think it's you know with Eric Schmidt gone, the next couple of years will be super interesting. They're like really pushing into emerging markets. He's really doubling down on hardware. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, John, spectacular Christmas edition. Um, next week we're going to talk about our predictions for next year. I am not getting a and I'm not recap. getting a HomePod for Christmas. Yeah, no, maybe not even in Q1. You won't get. It. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I've had yeah. I've I've heard rumors about why that is, and uh, anything good? Yeah, it's mostly oh, really? Siri related. It's just Siri related, and like the audio quality wasn't where they wanted it to be. Unsure if it's software or hardware related, but that is an interesting problem for a company that's supposed to focus on the audio quality of it. Like, apparently, it was a combination of the two. Is like Siri was basically junk for this. Also, the audio stuff wasn't up to Apple's. Like, I guess it had it has to wow enough, right? And I guess they didn't get enough. Like, wow. Um. So we'll see. Sorry, no, no HomePod for you. Maybe a Google Mini. Just kidding. Uh, I oh, wanted an Apple Watch, but I forgot how damn <laughs> expensive they are. There's so much money. Oh, it's terrible. Like, it's funny if they if I had bought an LTE Apple Watch, it might have stopped me from switching to Android. But god damn, they're like 800 euros, man. Like, what the heck? And that's like for the crap one. <laughs> I think I think Peter Tan should buy us Apple Watches with his Bitcoin gains. Yeah, he's he's got a uh, he's got enough Bitcoins for uh, that. All right, Tom. Uh, Tom. <laughs> Alright, Tom. Tom, Tom Dale. Tom Edgar. Tom Dale. Tom Edgar. Tom Dale. Alright, buddy. Peter Katz. Signing off. I love it.
it's been a pleasure. I hope you have a happy holiday. Bye, Biscus. And hi, bye, Biscus. And I will see you in the recharge community, John, because I'm going to send you a link right now. Oh, cool. All right. Love you. All right, buddy. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas. Merry slash holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Toronto. Bye bye.